name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When Jesus tells us this parable this morning of the wedding banquet as the father of three daughters, I can't help but go there. I'm still looking for a wash and wear wedding dress, if anybody knows where I might be able to get one. Uh, but in addition to that, it's interesting because this parable is a lot about who's on the guest list. And uh, when I was engaged, I remember very clearly, uh, it was like a fantasy football league draft as to who made it on the guest list because you only have so many spots for so many people. And then about a month or two into it, you, it dawns upon you that, wait a minute, this is a party for my parents. Um, and uh, they pretty much take the guest list over. But it is very interesting that uh, this invitation that goes out from the king who is throwing a banquet in honor of his son, it's his wedding banquet. And just like when we create an invitation list for our wedding banquet, who do we invite? We invite people who are close to us, those who are nearest to us, our family, our friends, uh, our colleagues, those who are in the orbit of our life who we want to share with us in the joy of this wedding, this wonderful festive occasion. And so these invitations go out and the reaction to the, by the invitees is either indifference or outright aggressive and brutal rejection. Now, unlike any wedding that I would throw for my daughters, uh, who is it that is inviting these people to the son's wedding banquet? It's, it's a king, and when a king summons you, you go. Even today, if you were to receive an invitation from Elizabeth, the Queen of England, it would read, Her Majesty the Queen commands your presence. Now, of course, at the bottom now it says, please RSVP. Uh, but the whole idea is that when a king invites you to something, it's not a, well, if you feel like it or if you're not busy, but commands that you attend. Indeed, in Jesus' day and age, to disregard this invitation would be an open act of rebellion. St. Paul tells us in the book of Acts that God commands all people everywhere to repent. It is not if you'd like to, if you're in the mood, but it is a royal summons to his throne. And indeed, the people who have been invited to this great wedding banquet, they received two invitations, which was the custom of the day. The initial invitation was, you're invited. Please come to the wedding banquet. And then the next invitation was, the table is set. The fatted calf has been roasted. Come, celebrate, eat with us. And yet, they are either indifferent or brutal. And this wedding banquet that Jesus is talking about is hearkening back to Isaiah 25, where, he's, where Isaiah the prophet says, there will come a day on this mountain that God himself will set a great feast before us, 
And people from all nations, from everywhere, will come and feast on what the Lord has done. And death will be conquered forever. And God himself will wipe every tear from every eye. And that's the invitation that goes out to us from God himself. And yet, even today, there is indifference and brutality to that invitation. Many sit in churches all over the world, Sunday after Sunday, and they hear the gospel, but think little of what Jesus has done for them by his death on the cross. They think of other pressing issues. They may come because the music is good or because someone forced them in attendance, but they are indifferent to the core matter of what it is that we are doing here in worship. Or the response is brutality. There have been more Christians martyred in the 20th century than all previous centuries combined. Just recently, for the first time in 1600 years, there was not a Christian worship service in the city of Nineveh, located in modern-day Iraq. It was captured by the Islamic State forces, and Christians who did not flee were either killed or forced to convert under punishment of death. And just last week, the Church of the Resurrection, the largest church in that very community, was demolished. And just a few months ago, the tomb of the prophet Jonah was destroyed. Indeed, just 14 years into the 21st century, we are well on our way of eclipsing that statistic from the 20th century. And these are not extraordinary stories, but everyday occurrences in the world in which we live where the lives of Christians, because of their faith in Jesus, are on the line. And when these invitees in our parable respond to such a gracious invitation in such insensitive and grotesque ways, it's hard for us not to nod in agreement when the king sends his army in and destroys the city. It seems right and just. But rather than turning his back on the whole ordeal, the king in his graciousness tells his servants to go out and invite everyone. Everyone is invited to the banquet in honor of the king's son, both the good and the bad. And they come. You can see the picture in your mind as the king enters the banquet hall with a broad smile across his face as he sees the hall packed with guests. And not just with guests, but with guests who want to be there. But that smile quickly turns to a frown when he sees a man not wearing a wedding garment. We may wonder, well, what's the big deal? After all, this man has come in from the highways or the byways in order to get there. How in the world could he have obtained such a wedding garment? Well, some commentators and historians tell us that often before coming into a royal court or even a wedding banquet, the guest would don a robe provided by the king or by the one throwing the banquet. Some commentators and historians say, well, that's a little bit of a stretch, but whether you want to believe this or not is really not material. After all, he seems to be the only one there that was not wearing a wedding garment. Everybody else managed to get one. And all the other ragamuffins standing before the king 
were bedecked in splendor. And what is the man's response when the king confronts him? He is speechless. He is without excuse. Indeed, what we see in this man is that a call is not the same as a response. There is a call on every single one of our lives to come to the banquet that has been spread before you, salvation that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with God through him, where God himself will take up residence with you, and there will come a day where every injustice will be made right, and God himself will wipe every tear from every eye and destroy death itself. Yet the Bible makes it very clear that there is a response on our part that we have to respond to this invitation to the banquet. And what is that response that God enables us to give? Well, you cannot enter on your own merit. You must first put on the righteousness of Christ. It's ironic that the man who was thrown out of the banquet actually gets what he wants. His refusal to don a wedding garment shows that he looked at himself in his own clothes and thought, I look pretty good. And yet, when the king, in all of his splendor and perfection and holiness and righteousness, enters into the banquet hall, what was looking pretty good is able to see, be seen for what it is, filthy and tattered rags. There are many in this world who think at the end of the day, you know what? Put my life on the scales. Judge me and see if I'm not pretty good. And so God gives them what they want. And they come up lacking and speechless. So many cry out for justice, but just like the rest of us, we should cry out for mercy. Indeed, we don't wear these vestments because they are so slimming in their effect on our bodies. But it is a visible picture of the truth of what Jesus is talking about in this wedding parable. Indeed, though our sins are like scarlet, God himself, because of his death on the cross, will make us as white as snow. Sinners plunged beneath that flood shall lose all their guilty stains. And so when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and when we approach that throne of grace, we can go boldly, not because of our own garments, but because we have put on the righteousness of Christ because of what Jesus has done on the cross, God the Father now looks at us the way that he looks at his Son, blameless, perfect, with complete and total love and affection as a child, even though we know what our garments look like underneath the righteousness of Christ that has been given to us. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
God's call on every single one of us is to come. Come and enter a relationship with me. And to simply put on the righteousness of Christ, which is to trust him, to believe on him, to receive him. Now, I know that altar calls are not very popular in the Episcopal Church. And yet, this morning, as in every morning that we have one, when we celebrate communion, it is an altar call. The table is set. Will you come forward and receive Jesus Christ by faith? Will you take him in to yourself? And as you come, you come as a beggar would, empty-handed. And all you can do is simply plead Jesus Christ and kneel with open hands and simply receive an invitation to come for you are called and in Jesus Christ you are chosen child of God who wears the righteousness the wedding garment of Christ amen